Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program. It is Sunday, October 25th, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another big show coming up for you tonight. Mr. Tony Stabile will be joining the show for our monthly edition of How Does It Feel to Be Tony Stabile. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Christian Arnold. Christian how are you? Well, I'd be doing better if I remembered, like every other week that I forget, to set my fantasy football lineup. Oh. And so I'm doing all right. That's a shame. Are you losing? Yes. That's too bad. And it's losing to the worst. Everyone everyone who plays fantasy football has this one person in the league. You're losing to the most obnoxious person in the league, and that's what's happening this week. So I'm pretty annoyed about it. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But in better news, we're sponsored by Blue Line Deli Bagels. That's true. That's right, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great people, and fantastic Islander fans. Their food is delicious. I got to get back over there. I wish it was closer. I know, me too. You know, being a it's South worth Shore, trip, though. It's a lot of, Nassau it's County guy, it's, it's tough to get out to Huntington every time. But, again, Donnie and staff do a tremendous job. You can check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And also, I want to thank Thai Technology for sponsoring us, a voice-over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you are tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal services of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 from Long Island. And they are diehard Islander fans, just like you guys out there in Islander country. So, little special show coming up. We talked about Tony coming on, and also... Due to the fact that, uh, let's let's be honest, not a whole lot of Islanders news in this past week. We had a great no. show with Dave Panyota last week, talking about the offseason, talking about potential moves for the Islanders, talking about the potential start of next season, which is still, of course, in flux. Maybe we'll see something new on that. Uh, Christian, we were talking a little bit before the show. You had mentioned that the NBA is starting to lay out some plans. Yeah, so uh, reportedly it was The Athletic a couple ga- days ago that had reported that the NBA was eyeing a December 22nd start uh, for a truncated 72-game season, which, uh, granted, I'm sure the NBA situation is much different. Is I mean, not I'm sure it, it is much different than the National Hockey League, but it has to give some promise for a start date around that targeted January 1st date for the National Hockey League because if the NBA is planning and feels confident to start around, or at least they think they can target that December 22nd date, that has to mean the NHL, which did a phenomenal job with their return to play during the playoffs, must have the confidence to, to fulfill a similar promise around that January 1st date. Whether it's on January 1st or like Dave had mentioned when he was on with us, that they're eyeing a couple different dates, including several within the month of January. You know, the 15th, possibly later in the end of the month as well. So mm-hmm. certainly the NHL has to feel, or at least if you're a hockey fan, I should say, it has to feel a little promising that there are other leagues now that... Their schedules that usually line up with the uh, NHL are now looking at starting relatively soon. Yeah, and it's going to be a bigger undertaking because you're not dealing with 24 teams in two bubble cities. Now you're dealing with 31 for 
up to an 82-game season. I know that the league keeps saying they want to have a full 82-game season, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. I remember David yeah. saying that they may do something a little shorter. I have a feeling that's going to be the case for the yeah. NHL. They, they, there's no way you can do this because there are so many different factors between getting in the playoffs, getting in the you know the off-season activities, the NHL draft, the start of free agency, plus the National Hockey League is not want not going to want to go head to head with the Olympics, which is scheduled to start, um, you know, in the summer. So they don't really have the luxury of pushing it into the summer like they did this year and kind of having that space to their to themselves. Uh, I mean, obviously, baseball had started and some other sports had started. The NBA had started as well, but they kind of had the run run of the. Uh, of the NBC broadcast because they, you know, they were the primary primary uh, broadcast part for, partner for the NHL. Once you have the Olympics in the mix, NBC carries the Olympics. They're not going to want to have to kind of figure out what whether they're broadcasting hockey these days, whether they're broadcasting the Olympics, um, and that that's going to be a headache for NBC too, which carries both of those events. Right. Yeah, I suppose that would be a bit of a conflict. But look, they're going to figure it out because they figured out the return to play for the offseason, yeah. and it was pretty spectacular the way they pulled that off. So I have faith that they will make something happen, and sooner than later, we will be talking about the next Islander season and the next NHL season. Yes. But tonight, we're doing things a little different, a little Isles mailbag. So what do you say, CA, about doing a little mailbag? Yeah, absolutely. We got a few uh, a few questions, so we appreciate everyone who's chimed in through yes, Twitter, through the email, uh, for sending us these questions. And, and there were they were some really good ones. Yes. And I'm really excited to kind of dive in and answer some of these questions because, they're, they're, like I said, there's a few good ones that um, really I think we can really sink our teeth into. Yeah, let's, let's get it started. We'll get that going before we bring Tony on around 9.15. So let's get going. So we will start... With a question from Joe Grassi, hopefully I'm pronouncing your name correctly, that's at jgrassi06. Where do you see Wallstrom or Bellows playing? AHL, then NHL, maybe making the roster out of camp, or spending the whole year in the A? So, Christian, I'll let you start with that one, and let's, let's get it going. Yeah, so it's interesting. We were we were kind of looking at these questions beforehand to try and do some research and, and gather where we were going to go with this. And right. I think my initial comment to you right off the bat, without thinking or you know just kind of my right my reaction right there and then was well bellos is questionable if we see him in the nhl anytime soon considering the circumstances around what happened with his violation of the performance or the substance performance enhancing substance program in the ahl and the player the professional hockey's players association down there in minor league hockey so he violated that that happened sometime i guess over the summer we really don't know when it happened we kind of guessed camp for the that's, return, maybe? Right, what we imagine. But we don't know. But we don't know. Yeah. So there, that's a big question mark around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to say when Bellos or where Bellos will be. I don't, I, I don't I think don't, he'll be in the NHL anytime soon at the moment. <laughs> I don't think it's a situation where it's irredeemable. I mean, look, I imagine, look, they said that he's been disciplined and... I look. I'm sure he's going to get another chance. We don't know. We don't know how serious the issue is. We don't know if fair, true. You know what I mean? Like it might be something that he's already put behind him. It might be something that he might struggle with in the future. I mean, only time will tell. But I, it's I think a big question mark. But I don't think it's something that's going to have him banished from hockey now. Like no, it, no, it's not. He's not banished. But I, I think when it comes to Lou and the culture that Lou 
permeates around the organization. That certainly is a That's violation fair. of that that trust. I guess you have as a general manager and a coach, and you know point. all these all these different aspects and different people that are involved. So mm. you know where is that trust with Lou Lamoureux, with Barry Trotz, with the upper parts of the management for the New York Islanders? Mm. Where is that trust with Bellows at the moment? I mean, he he broke a rule. We again, we don't know how serious. So I, I'm trying to temper that you know that kind of initial gut reaction. We're like oh. You know, you just you know cast them aside because I don't think that's right. fair. I don't think that's right mm-hmm. um, without all the details. So I, I think just from the little information that we have, it's hard to see that Bellows, at least for the time being, really being a guy that's going to get um, that chance early on to be on the Islanders roster. When it comes to Wallstrom, though, Wallstrom's a guy who I think will be a player for the Islanders. Maybe not right out of camp, whenever that that takes place, but I could see him being someone that's called up somewhere in the middle of the season. And then kind of has that impact and ends up being a mainstay with the Islanders the rest of the way. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you on that. I think maybe we see some sort of maybe Devon Taves, you know, even though he's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. But that sort of progression where maybe there's an injury or two to the main roster, to the main squad. He finally gets a chance to crack the lineup and he gives Barry Trotz a real hard time uh, on on sending him back. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, just to 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 wrap up the thought on Wallstrom. Look, he maybe hasn't, you know, played to expectations up until now. Maybe we were looking to see a little more flash out of him, maybe threatening the the main squad a little sooner than than we're at right now. I don't think that's any reason to be alarmed. Some guys for whatever reason, it just takes them a little longer to come along. And I think Wallstrom's going to end up being a good part of this team. I think he's going to be a toxic, top six player. Almost said toxic. That would have been great. <laughs> but um, I think he's going to be, a, you know, a contributing winger. He's going to score some goals. I mean, look, I've seen the highlights after they drafted him, and he's he's got a real special shot, and he's got a nose for the net, and I think he's going to be a, a big part of this team. And it's just, I don't think it's going to be right away. I think he does start in the AHL, and then he gradually makes his makes his way to the NHL. And Bellows, I don't think it's over with him at all. And the whole substance issue aside, I just don't think he's he's ready for the NHL anyway. And I think he cha- takes a longer trajectory just based on his play so far. He's been given a shot, and he's certainly going to start in the AHL. And I think he just takes a, a little bit longer of a path uh, than Wallstrom at this point, you know, maybe a couple more guys have to be heard, or maybe if Wallstrom comes up and he doesn't work out and they want to see somebody else up there, you know, I think we'll definitely see him wearing the Islander uniform at some point this year. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be on a consistent basis or if it's one of those little, you know, have a little treat up there in the in the, in the big <laughs> leagues and then come back and, and you're riding the bus again with the H or whatever they do in this COVID world. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, just one more thought on Wallstrom, though. I think that when you look at Islanders and and look at the prospect pool last season, you know, Wallstrom was a guy who kind of turned it on the second half of the season as things started to get towards down the stretch. And when you had the, you know, we got closer to the pandemic pause for the AHL and then the eventual Mm. cancellation of the season. So he was also a guy that kind of turned on in the second half of the season. And Brent Thompson was really complimentary of the way he was playing that second half of the year and the development that he saw. So there was some excitement for, for, for their development bellows for, um, you know, for Wallstrom and, of course, for Simon Holmstrom as well, who wasn't mm. asked about, but also another piece that's, you know, a guy to keep an eye on when it comes to the, the Bridgeport prospects that the Islanders have. And the good thing is Wallstrom is playing over in Europe right now. Yes. So he's getting some reps. He's... Although he was, he was, um, he did suffer some sort of injury. Oh, he had that during, bad fall, right? Yeah, then into the end boards. Do we know where that's at right as now? As far, they don't think it's anything serious as far as what, from what I understand, what I've seen mm. written about it, but... 
Um, not too much follow up on that, but that that was the latest, the last that I saw, um, as far as the con- the the condition of Wallstrom. And say. with Lou sending some guys out to Europe to play some games, what where's where is Bellows right now? What's he doing? Is he playing anywhere? I think he's just kind of hanging around. He's just hanging out. Yeah, okay. uh, he was one of the. He wasn't one of the guys that was loaned That's out. That's what I to, thought. I just want to make sure. Yeah, he wasn't one of the guys that was loaned out to to any of the you know subsequent secondary leagues in in, in European countries because a lot of the top tier leagues they 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 signing players or they're taking players they want them there for the for the year basically they're not giving them that out clause like some of the smaller leagues are doing for you know the the Wallstroms and the Holmstroms guys who are going to come back to North America once the NHL and AHL training camps start to open. Right on, right on. Well, Joe, we want to thank you for that question, and we're going to pick that up. We actually have some other questions that kind of tie into that one. But first, we've got to take a break, and then we're going to bring on Tony Stabile. So, folks, want to thank you for tuning into Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We will return. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country. You'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516-856-7800. 7800 or visit them on the web at tietechnology.com. That's tie, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. The only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels, along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying... Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Hockey Night in New York. And when you hear this wonderful sitcom sort of thing of a song, <laughs> that means it's time for How Does It Feel to be Tony Stabile. With us is none other than the man, the myth, and the legend, Tony Stabile. Tony, how are you? Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well. Lovely to have you back on the show. And do you, do you enjoy your theme song? Do you, do you like hearing it when you come on the show? Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm. I feel like I'm back in like a Family Matters, uh, you know, uh, you <laughs> right. know, home improvement kind of days. So uh, yeah. Sounds, well, this uh, is the starting great. point, man. Eventually, it'll be a TV show. <laughs> we'll take it from there. Yeah. This is- <laughs> 
All right, man. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to see when that happens. So yeah, sure. Know happens. One day. One day. All right, so glad to have you back, buddy. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And let's let's start talking about what's been going on with this New York Islander team. There hasn't been a lot of news this past week, but uh, there's been a couple things going on since you were last on the show. A couple of moves made, a couple of signings and whatnot. So let's start it with the salary cap situation and just... You know, is there any concern coming from your end of the Islander fandom about the Islanders being able to get out from under this salary cap crunch, knowing that they still have to sign Barzell and Pollock and make it all work and hopefully add something to, you know, improve this team going into the next season? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I mean, it, look, it's this... It, it, but, you know, because you hear a lot about this and, you know, yeah. you hear a lot of frustration around and it's not just on the island. It's, it's all over the league. Right. You know, the flat cap, no one could no one could plan for this. OK, no one had this in their in their head early in the season. Like, hey, the, the, the cap's going to be flat for the next two years. So let's plan for it this way. I mean, <laughs> there was no way anyone was seeing that this was coming down the pike. I mean, even five months ago, I don't think anyone thought, saw that it was going to be this way. So this it it. it, it it happened the way that it did, and everyone is left holding a bag here. And there's some teams that were expecting to have three or four million dollars extra in space, right. but the Islanders going to have to move. The Islanders going to have to move salary no matter what. So yes. it's just now that they now they absolutely have to move it, and they have to move it soon. So that being said, you know Lou has to go out there. He has to make a move. Unfortunately, one that he probably didn't want to make, and having to move Devon Taves, he does it. He gets fair return back in two second round picks. Um, it's not a movie really, you know, wanted to, de- you know, you don't want to take one of your top four defense and have to move it out, but you have a guy in Noah Dobson who's ready to step into that position. Um, you needed to give that ice time, the, you know, the, the power play time, the, you know, you, the, the same type of time that you gave to Taves when he first came up, you have to give it to Dobson at some point anyway. So there was going to have, someone was going to have to come out of that top four anyway. So they moved, they moved the salary. They don't have to worry about his arbitration. They were obviously not close on a contract extension. So that had to happen. Now getting those two second round picks, that allows him to make a move. Now, nobody's making salary moves right now. You could see that. The NHL is stagnant. Nothing's happening. You have free agents that are not signing. You have teams that are not doing anything. They're not making any other type of trades because somebody is waiting for something to happen. Someone, one side is going to have to move. Whether free agents start taking less money because they have no choice or you're going to have teams that are going to just make moves because they're expecting to get a first round pick instead of a second. At some point, something's going to happen. And once it does, there's going to be a flood of moves. It's just it's the first domino to fall. You know, we thought that, you know, seeing Taylor Hall, you know, signing his contract was all these other free agents. Dad enough who did sign in Ottawa. He took it. You know, he took a deal probably less than what he was hoping to get. Mm-hmm. But he signed a deal in Ottawa. You know, you have guys, again, Mike Hoffman hasn't signed yet. You have, you know, second-tier guys, Anthony Duclair, that I saw Christian wrote an article about today. So there's, there's guys that are out there that are that are doable, that are looking for those contracts, but they're waiting for teams in order to have the money to sign them. Right. Usually it does take a domino or two to fall before things can keep moving on. But I want to keep it on the Taves deal because I've, I spoke to you off the air about this, and you like mm-hmm. the deal. Now, I just want you to expand upon that because I can't imagine hearing you say that, but you I can't imagine you going into the season being like, yeah, unloading Taves is, is a good way to go. Like, I, I imagine you expected him to be part of the roster, and I know you know and understand why the move was made, 
But you mm-hmm. ultimately, you're happy with the deal given the circumstances. Yeah, well, I'm happy with the deal because, again, one of the top four had to go. And in my opinion, of the top four defensemen on this team, Taves is the most replaceable because you have Dobson already in place. So Mayfield uh, Mayfield is an important part of this team. You saw the way he played in the playoffs. You saw what he, what he brings. Pellick is I – mean, we don't have to have that conversation. And Ryan Pollock is the top guy in this on this you know on this defensive course. He's your number one. So of those four guys, the one guy who I felt was replaceable because you have a top prospect and Noah Dobson is Tapes. And to get back two second round picks when no one's getting anything in these types of quote unquote salary moves, uh, I thought it was a fair I thought it was a fair return. So it had to happen. Something had to move. Somebody had to go. And if it was going to be one of those top four, I thought that that the Taves the Taves move was the one to make. Talking with Tony Stabile for our favorite monthly segment. How does it feel to be Tony Stabile? Well, it's, our, it's our only monthly segment, Christian. So right, well, let's be I, fair. I, I was just going to say, guys, like I mean, I appreciate the prop here, but let, let's be honest here. I'm, I'm well, regularly here, so let's 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 call the spade a spade. In, you know in the mean? one out of one monthly segments we have, Tony, this is our wow, favorite. You guys are incredible. I am the, I well, I, I was mean, literally I'm, about to just say about a ton of nice things about Tony. I will now not say anything nice about Tony for the rest of this program. Um, but I will ask that, Nick that, a that question. Wasn't, that wasn't happening anyway. That wasn't happening anyway. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's be, be serious. Here, yeah. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's be serious. Well, well, you left me with Sean, so, I mean, let's call a spade a spade, too. Uh, you're you're my uh, favorite of the two, so. Hey, you knew what you were getting into, buddy. I That's know. not me. I'm just going to let the show go you on. Knew what you were... yeah. <laughs> I'm That's not going to interject. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, Tony, as far as – well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for, for reading my story about Anthony Duclair. Um, and, and with that in mind, I guess I'll ask you about that. What is your thought about the idea of going out, uh, going after once we settle everything with the Islanders cap situation and then, of course, they resign who they need to resign, namely Barzal and Pulak? Um, you know, what is your feeling about going after a Duclair or someone uh, in compar- uh, comparable to that? To kind of bolster maybe that bottom six line or a bottom six forward group that could also be a, a plug in the top six uh, group if you really needed him to be. Yeah, Anthony Duclair is an interesting case. Um, obviously, you know he's a young guy who's had a you know some issues in, in some of the places he's been before. I mean, he was with the Rangers, with the Blackhawks, with the with the Blue Jackets, uh, with Ottawa. So he's been around a little bit. A guy with his talent, you. You know, you you worry about the fact that he's moved on as many times as he has. But you saw he had he played really well in Ottawa the last year and a half. I think he had uh, almost a point per game when he came over the first time uh, the, his first season, uh, not last year, the year before. And last year he scored 23 goals. So he's a guy who obviously has talent. He scored 20 goals twice. He had 19 another year. He's he's a guy who can put the puck in the net. Um, you know, is he a guy that under a Barry Trotz could thrive? Yeah, that's the kind of thing that you worry about only because, you know, he has moved around as much as he had. But, look, if there's a coach in this league that can reach a player and get him to play his absolute best, Barry Trotz is that guy. So, um, I, I'm, you know, that's a guy who I would definitely would take a flyer out on. I would love for them to be able to shoot higher, depending upon how much salary they are able to move. But Duclair would definitely be a guy I'd be interested in, sure. Also, in that vein, too, the Islanders, basically, it's it's going to happen. The idea of, of Corey Schneider becoming an Islander, and ba- and most likely ending up in Bridgeport to kind of revive his career. Uh, what, what just what is your reaction to the idea of bringing Corey Schneider in as as that depth goaltender? Uh, and what role do you think he could play outside of obviously just reviving his career in, in Bridgeport? 
I think it's a mutually beneficial in, uh, uh, transaction here. You know, for, for Lou, he gets to bring in a guy who, God forbid, is an injury or if, if a guy, you know, stutters a little bit and, uh, you know, namely Sorokin coming over and adjusting. You know, you got to remember by the time he steps on the ice, it'll be almost 10 months since he's been in a game. So in a real, you know, in a, in a real competitive, uh, you know, professional hockey game. So there's going to be a little concern there, I guess. So it does give them a little bit of a cushion, but it helps Schneider too, because, you know, Lou comes in, you know, he tells Corey, listen, you come in, you're going to work with a tremendous goalie coach. You're going to have a chance to revive your career. Maybe you're able to enable to move you with the deadline. Maybe you're able to, you know, sign in the off season with somebody else, got another couple of years, you know, in the NHL. So there's, there's a mutually beneficial uh, relationship there. And look, Lou, you know, has these guys where, you know, he always likes, he likes his guys. He knows his guys. You know, you saw Andy Green here. He was a tremendous help after coming in at the deadline uh, to, to the point where there's, you know, a strong possibility he's coming back. Uh, you saw he brought Martin back. You saw he brought Komarov here. You know, like he loves his guys. And Corey Schneider's a great teammate. He's a great guy in the community. He's been, you know, he's, he's always been that type of player. And, you know, Lou loves his character and he loves having people around. So more more good people in the room, the better. So I think it helps both of them out. And, you know, and I, I've always been a big Corey Schneider fan. You know, Sean will tell you that I was crushed that the, <laughs> the Islanders weren't able to get him at the, at the draft a couple of, you know, when he went to the Devils. But um, I'm I, I'm happy that he's going to be able to to, to work uh, with, with Mitch Korn and, uh, and Piero Greco. And, and we'll see what happens. But uh, I think... I think it's. I think this is a an NHL thing, unless something goes terribly wrong um, in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious at this point, Tony. But let's look at the bigger picture. And we touched on the salary cap and the the well well noted constraints right now on the Islander situation, and the fact that they've they've kind of already had to subtract from their D. They're going to have to shuffle it around, and yet. You know, the question still remains is, you know, what is it going to take to move the needle for this team to improve upon getting to two wins from the Stanley Cup final this past playoffs, uh, this Eastern Conference finals? You know, is this going to be enough? Whatever they do end up bringing in, and if, if it does end up being the reality of, you know, having to quote-unquote settle for a middle potential middle six guy like a Duclair or something like that and not getting something bigger like you were hoping they could go for, you know, is this is this team going to be able to take that next step as constructed with with all this all these limitations around uh, around building the roster? Well, I look at the way that they progressed from from last year to this year. Okay, they were an outstanding regular season team. They steamrolled the Penguins, and then they you know they lost their edge a little bit when they had that that time off. And then they lose to Carolina. They come into this year. They start off again like gangbusters. They had that great run in the early part of the season. They had some injuries. They were, you know, they were basically on the verge of being out of the playoffs when COVID hit. They come back to the bubble and they play great. And they get themselves within, like you said, two games before they, two games from playing for the Stanley Cup. So I look at the progression from one year to the next and they've, they got so much better and they didn't add all of that much from one year, from year one to year two. Now going from year two to year three, you look at the changes. You got one big subtraction, obviously, in tapes. Okay, that's that's going to be a place. You have a guy, in, you know, a plug-in guy, pretty much in Dobson. You saw the way he played, um, you know, at the end of the season. You saw the way he played in that game, you know, in that game six, uh, you know, against uh, against Tampa Bay. I mean, he held his own. I mean, he was playing in overtime. He was getting regular minutes uh, in overtime. And Barry had the, the confidence enough to put him out right. there. 
And he played, and I thought he played very, very well. I mean, and I, I believe if not on the, uh, if I remember correctly, I think even on the broadcast that they, they mentioned the fact that he was playing a very strong game. So mm-hmm. you have, I don't look at that as such a subtraction, but you look now at what could they do to improve to get them that next two wins to get them into the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And is it is it is it a bona fide score? Would a Mike Hoffman get them there? Sure, but. Again, with the flat cap, it's a tough sell. They do have Oliver Wallstrom. Is a guy who's, you know, he's playing overseas right now. He seems to have been gotten off to a pretty good start. You know, you know he can score goals. You have that that possibility that if they can't enter a, get a guy like Hoffman, maybe Wallstrom can get a shot. Maybe he makes that team. Maybe Kiefer Bellows comes in and, and, and is able to impress. I know he's had some issues over the past couple of months, apparently. But, yes. I mean, hey, it's it's definitely possible that he comes in. And Lou gives him, you know, Lou is, yes, he expects certain things or whatever, but if a guy comes in and plays hard and whatever, I think he gets that opportunity. So there are some options, you know, I know that the Islanders farm system is not rated very high right now, but there are a couple of guys just on the cusp and guys who can, you know, can score. They have that talent, that high end talent in order to do so. So if they don't get a guy like Hoffman, could someone like that step in? Absolutely. They can. And again, you're talking about, one of, if not the best coach in the NHL in Barry Trotz. So I don't think that if they don't get that score, that they're necessarily not going to get to the point that they, they got to this year or they don't have the opportunity to, to play for the Cup. They just need to, you know, to, to figure out what they what they were missing and do it better in order to get to that point. And I don't think they were that far off. I mean, you know, they got to the point they were at without that high-end score. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But at the same time, it's going to be a struggle if and when they have to, you know, face up against a, a Tampa Bay team again or even a Boston team that they successfully dodged thanks to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But mm-hmm. it's 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 going to be tough. But And you talk about things that need to improve. You know, obviously the power play is one of those things. And without bringing yes. in some sort of score, is that just going to naturally evolve into something better? Or are they going to have to try to bring somebody in to give it a different look? Because it just... It just wasn't getting any better during the playoffs. I mean, there were some sparks here or there, but for the most part, I mean, you talk about even just, you know, the opportunities on net and, and then struggling just gaining the zone. I mean, they had a really hard time with that through the playoffs. So, I mean, this, there's a lot to work on. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if this team can, can get through to a Stanley Cup championship unless they, they focus on things like that and, and you know, kind of get some improvement there from the goal scoring on the power play. Well, the power play has been, I mean, Sean, you and I have been talking about this for a decade now. I mean, zone entry for the power <laughs> know, play is literally, I mean, we're going back to the pre-Tavares days where we were having this conversation. You That's know, a fact. It, That's and it's a fact. It's still, got, entry, it's still Scott Gomez's fault, by the way. It, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we can still, still. I mean, Scott's, Scott's at home on his couch right now. We can still it's all your fault. That, so. Yeah. Yeah, but it, look, we, we've we've had this conversation on and off over the years constantly. So zone entry, I don't I don't look at a, a score or a sniper. I mean, you have one of the best puck carriers in the NHL and Matthew Barzell. Their their zone entry thing, they have a, they have to change their philosophy there. They don't t- dump the puck in enough. Um, and and honestly, my 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 view of their power play issues, they don't they don't shoot enough. Okay, they don't get the puck on the net. When they put the puck on the net, that's when they have their opportunities. But they don't shoot enough. There's a lot of passing going around. They 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 do move the puck well when they can get in the zone and when they can actually set up some type of structure. They can yeah. move the puck around. And they have to get the puck on the net. And you only have one big gun out there in Pollock. So 
Does Dobson change that? Maybe. Does a guy like a Wallstrom or, you know, or an Anthony Duclair, if they sign, does that change something like that? Mm. Possibly. But it doesn't change unless they can get in the zone, like you said, and get the puck to the net. And that's that's really what it comes down to. You have guys who can move the puck around the ice. Everly, Bailey, um, Letty, um, Barzell, they all can move the puck on the power play with no problems whatsoever. They just have to shoot and get it on the net. And that's, that's in, in, in essence, I don't know that bringing in somebody is going to is going to drastically change that it's it's some structure issue but they you know they they're successful when they're able to get that puck on the net they have guys who can put the puck on the net you saw that during throughout the playoffs yeah they just have to get it in the net that's that's the problem right well, now well that's yeah that that <laughs> is the name of the game now isn't it indeed so the last one i'll leave you with real real quick is and you might have answered that question already but you said if if all th- you know all things were kind of just uh you know, open, like you'd rather that they go and that they aim higher than somebody like Duclair, who would that be? I mean, Hoffman's the guy I think is just tailor-made for what needs to happen here. Um, Is he someone that could possibly take, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go play with Matthew Barzell and take 4 million this year and then see what happens next, next off season. If some some teams are able to move some salary, is that possible? I guess it is, you know, could, could he, could Lou figure out a way, to fit four million dollars under the cap, I guess it's. Yeah. I guess again, it's possible. And he's I definitely mean, other teams have done it. Play. I mean, you had a team. In, you had a team in, in Vegas that was completely up against the cap. They were able to move Nate Schmidt. I mean, obviously they got you know pennies on a dollar for him. Yeah. But they signed a guy in 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 Pierre in Petrangelo that that that's making what is he making eight point seven million dollars a year or eight point six million dollars a year? So a lot of money. It's yeah. So there's there's pieces you can move. There's things that you can do. Is he gonna? Is he gonna try to long term IR Andrew Ladd? He could definitely try to do that. Uh, you know, it's it's this. There's a lot of moving pieces there, but I, Hoffman is the guy for me. I mean, he's he's a proven power play scorer. Uh, he's he's you know he's thirty. You know, guy scores thirty goals with his eyes closed, and if you put him on the ice with Barzell, I mean, I think those two guys could be magic. So I mean, that that would be the best. I would love to see them shoot for a player like that, but you know, and these I think these 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 rumors of Patrick Line and you know they, Winnipeg is going to want the moon for this How guy. How are they so. going to get him? They don't have I mean There's we talked no about way. it with Dave Paniota <laughs> last last week. It's just it's it not is. there. The move isn't there. No, be because nice. you'd have to give up you'd have to give up one of your top players on the NHL roster, you know. So you're looking yeah. at I and, and I, I think Dave said it last week he uh, he mentioned Polek or you know Pelic like right. you can't you can't afford to give a player like that especially after trading teams. It's just not going to happen. Right, and if you thought that Taves was going to get it done, they would have obviously looked into that move. So right. I, it's it's just they don't have the bullets for that. They just they don't. I mean, you know, if they were looking at all picks and you know maybe you know Wallstrom, Dobson, you know that okay, then you know you can look at something. But they're not gonna they're not gonna want that. They're gonna want you know high end proven talent on an NHL roster in addition to those younger controllable players that they can you know that they can fill in uh, in a flat cap era. Yeah. So I I don't think that's possible. I think that right now the only move that's out there is looking for Hoffman and trying to create the salary cap, the salary space for him. Indeed. If you're going to go, if you're, go, if you're going big, if you're going, if big. not, you can go with, right. If not, then you're looking at guys like Duclair. All right, Tone. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for another edition of how does it feel to be Tony Stabile? Always a pleasure to have you with us and we'll have you on again soon, bud. 
I can't wait to see what next month's title brings. Uh, you know, everyone <laughs> seems to change. So I, I look forward to seeing when that email comes out to see what my title's going to be. We're, we're going to have the show's writers get together. <laughs> we're going to figure it out, and, and we'll come up with something nice. Don't you worry. Well, you, you let those writers know that I appreciate the three, I guess, titles I've been given so far. So thank you so <laughs> Will much. Will do, pal. Thanks for hopping on. We'll talk Thanks, to you soon. Tony. Take it easy, Tony. Gentlemen, take, have a good night. You too, pal. All right, folks, that was another edition of How Does It Feel to be Tony Stabile. And Christian, Yes, the show rolls on. It does. So let's get back to the mailbag. Let's go to question number two, and that is from Scott, at Scott Isles 24 Thank you for hitting us up on Twitter. What's the depth chart for forwards and defense in Bridgeport look like? So we kind of piggyback off of our comments on Oliver yes. Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows. And those two fellows are at the top of the list for forwards, I would say, Naturally. even with the setback for Kiefer Bellows. And then we can kind of go on from there. You want to take it away? Or you want me to go? What do you want no, to do? No, no. We, so, yeah, list I, here, yeah, yeah. We, well, we both helped put this list together because we, we, <laughs> we looked did. at this question we and we said, all right, let's, <laughs> let's make sure we don't sound stupid here. Right. No. And we still could. I, that's, a very, that's a very fair <laughs> point. <laughs> But out, outside of the Oliver Wallstrom and the Kiefer Bellows top picks there, obviously they highlight the forward depth that the Islanders have in Bridgeport. Outside of that, you have Otto Koivula, who was um, in and out of the lineup for the New York Islanders at different points of this past season. Uh, obviously had a pretty successful season down in the bridge in Bridgeport as well. Um, so he's obviously up there. Simon Holmstrom, another guy who's actually overseas playing in um, Sweden, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um also kind of stands at the top of that list as well as far as the forward group goes for the Bridgeport Town Tigers because those are two guys, the expectation is there. Mm-hmm. Koivel is a guy who has a little bit more regular NHL experience now. Uh, Holmstrom's a guy who the Islanders kind of have that expectation that can be you know, a guy that slots in there in the, in the future, in the near future at this point, I would imagine. Right. And then you have some of the signings that, you, that we had, Simon, signing some of the trades right. uh, in the last couple days. And, of course... Uh, Sean's favorite player, apparently. <laughs> right. Austin Danger Zarnick. Yeah, Austin Danger Zarnick <laughs> comes in. You know, he's uh, he had three points in eight games with the... Um, Calgary with Flames. Calgary Flames, that's right. Um, 33 points in 32 games with the Stockton Heat of the AHL last season. Um, You know, he's a guy that there's an expectation. He, You know, Sean, Sean was saying this before. Sean, I can let you explain a little bit more, but you did say to me, you, you think he's a guy that could possibly be... Um, you know, kind of that that maybe extra forward down with the Islanders and kind of slot in in the bottom six. Yeah, that like Thomas Kunakel position. Yeah. If he doesn't come back, maybe he's a he's more of like a utility guy that just kind of comes in when they need a little bit of a different look. And you could say lineup. you could say the same thing with AJ Greer too. You know, thirty two points in forty seven games last year in the in with Colorado's minor league affiliate. I forget I forget the the Eagles. I think they're called or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has NHL experience. He has a little more NHL experience than a guy like Zarnick as well. Yeah, I mean um, with with the Colorado Avalanche. So those those are two guys that they they were depth moves to begin with the Islanders making a depth move in that in that trade it was you know kind of a a one-for-one deal that sent you know a guy that was in in Bridgeport to you know to another team's minor league system and the Islanders got a player that comes back and fills that slot with AJ Greer in the minor league system and has the potential to kind of fill a role in the NHL should they need it yeah I mean at most they're probably just depth guys to round out the roster down there and, you know, maybe a pleasant surprise if they come up and fill in here or there. But, I mean, I think you got to keep the expectations low. I mean, to, to broadly answer your question, 
Scott, I mean, it's kind of thin. Yeah, <laughs> the depth because of Bridgeport we, is thin. We put it. We put a list together, and we yeah. went down, and we're like, all right, these guys are for sure would have potential NHL, or I should say, they would have potential NHL potential there. Um, Cole Bardreau, another one who who went out and had some success in the NHL yeah, last that, season, was a penalty Island. shot hero. Penalty shot hero. That yeah. was his first NHL goal. Ah. Goal, which was which was exciting for him. He had a lot of yeah, friends in the awesome. stands that day as mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, people who had, who'd gone to high school with him up in uh, Rochester, who now lived down in New York and Long Island, had been down at that game. So that was an exciting moment for him right. and for the fa- family and friends that were in the stands that night. Uh, and he he played pretty well. You know, he he got a deserve he got a deserve shot in the NHL, and he he contributed a little bit for the New York Islanders. And certainly he he filled out the role that the Islanders wanted to, wanted him to in that moment. Uh, Mason Jopst or Jopst, I'm not exactly sure how to say it. Right. Um, is a guy that Brent Thompson uh, 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 highlighted to me for an article. Uh, I did recently for NYI Hockey Now about some guys to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. He described him as kind of a Casey Hezekis-like player. He's a little okay. smaller, right. um, and Jops is a guy that likes to idolize um, and kind of model his game after some of the other smaller players in the NHL, the Johnny Goudreaux's and, and some of those guys who have had a lot of success at the NHL level despite their size. So, you know, he's a guy that kind of has a, a bit of that energy and that, that Casey Hezekis-like game to him. So that's something to keep an eye on when you're when you're looking at the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, where, that's, where that takes him. Going forward, it'll be interesting, um, but certainly a guy that if your minor league head coach is pointing him out, that's certainly someone you want to keep an eye on. And then obviously we have, you know, you're looking down the line, there's there's a couple names, a couple draft picks, Blade Jenkins who comes to mind. Blade who, Jenkins. Who, um, you know, not really sure where, where that, that development continues to go for him. Right. And we'll see where that pans out. And then there's some other names. But obviously defensively when you look at it, um, Sebastian Ajo is, is the top of that list, but he kind of fits that that mold of the Kiefer Bellows and the Oliver Wallstrom are guys where you're expecting to see them, see them in the NHL in the very near future. Even yeah, Aho now could be that sooner than later. Yeah. He could be yeah. that seventh defenseman now with, yeah. with Taze out of the, um, out of the line. Yeah, we talked about that last week because of the trade. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and then looking down, um, you know, Mitch Van was the guy that again, missed all last season with, with an injury. There's a lot of promise to him. Again, another guy that Brent Thompson said to keep an eye on. He has he expects kind of big things from him this season as he gets back onto the ice. And you know he was he was already skating and getting back onto the ice and working out when the pandemic hit. So there is some expectation around Van Sample once the AHL season gets going in whatever capacity that may be. Obviously, Bodie Wild's another name you want to keep an eye on. He he's someone that has a lot of expectations on him. Parker, you know, Watherspoon is another guy. Grant. Hutton was someone that Brent Thompson also highlighted in that article to keep an eye on um, as someone that might surprise some people. So there, there, as Sean said, there are options in Bridgeport. There's some depth to it. <laughs> right. It's not deep by any stretch it's of the just, imagination, but it's it's there. There it's are players. Just nothing there. to get overly excited about. It's not like a couple you know? of years ago where you had guys where you're like, oh man, you know, you're you're waiting for for these these high level guys, the Tays, the Pulaks, the Pellicks, when they were in the in Bridgeport, and you're like, all right, right, we're really excited about these guys. That's just not, and that's not a shot at, at these guys no, in the Bridgeport and the farm system. It's just you know the the current situation that it's there are guys that have talent that could potentially do something in, at the NHL level. It's just not the excitement that you had when you looked at a Pellick or a Pulak or some of these other bigger names when they were down in Bridgeport developing for the New York Islanders. Yeah, it could end up being a rough year at the bridge for the Tigers. This, I mean, this last year was year. a rough year for the bridge. Yeah, well, we might see a little more of the same. I mean, hopefully not, but, you know, you have the, the guys at the top, and they're not tier one 
prospects. I mean, I mean, Wallstrom could be. He definitely right. has the most promise. Kiefer Bellows can kind of go either way. I right. think he 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 tops out as a middle six guy in my mind. But you know, and and Aho, I think you know you're lucky if he ends up rounding out your your top six one day. You know, well, I mean, Sebastian just... Aho was you know a very talented player at the at the AHL level. He's been an all star right. every year. He's been down there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best Sound Tigers offensively. Uh, on the on the blue line, so mm. you know there's certainly a lot of warranted excitement, and I think that it speaks not necessarily to the, you know, to his his skill level, but I think it speaks more to the skill level of some of the other guys like the Pelicans and the Pulaks that have really he's a the talented def- player and he could be he yes. could thrive and maybe in and and on I don't want to say another team, but in a circumstance where. Those guys aren't taking up some roster spots. Right, no, there's no space on the blue line. He for could him certainly at the be, you know, a, a victim of just having a lot of depth in front of him that he yes. had to hop over. And he's kind of become, a, I don't want to say completely an afterthought, but a little bit of an afterthought because of all those other guys. And maybe he just hasn't had a chance at a fair shot. So maybe Taves getting traded opens that up because again, Dobson's only what 18, 19 years old. He may need a little time. Andy Green is the opposite of that at 38 years old. <laughs> yes. And we don't know how much his body's going to be worn down. So there could definitely be an opportunity for Ajo to move up. But that also means that the depth at Bridgeport Jets just gets thinner. Right. And, you I, know? and one name we didn't mention when it comes to the forward was Josh Hosang. Yes. Nice little segue because we have another question from another <laughs> listener. And that is Daniel Steiger or Steiger. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, he is at Daniel Steiger five on the Twitter. And he asks, what is Josh Hosang thinking filing for arbitration? I think that's a good question. Daniel, I think that's the same question Sean and I had when we saw the news that that he was filing for arbitration. I think the, the surprise from Lou Lamorello on that conference call a week or so back when when it was brought up when he, when someone when I think it was actually Brian Compton from NHL.com friend of the program uh as well that he asked Lou you know what was your reaction to Josh Hosang filing for arbitration there was uh, there was genuine surprise from from Lou Lamorello and I think there was genuine surprise for a lot of people because I, it, I it's a confusing move I mean the co- other confusing move too was the Islanders qualifying him in the first yeah. place which uh, we were talking like, about just off just air. let it end yeah we <laughs> were talking about let out long enough we were talking about it off air and the fact that they did that in the first place must mean that they think something of him they they want some facsimile of him in within the organization i just don't understand that moved in the first place yeah. and then the idea that he's filing for arbitration i'm not sure where what 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 he thinks is going to happen there. And I like Josh Hosang. I like him as a player. I like his personality. Um, I like what he brings to the game on and off the ice. Unfortunately, that doesn't hasn't translated to success with the New York Islanders in an extended no. period of time. No, and look, I just, I can't, it's, it's October 25th, 2020. We're still talking about Josh Hosang and his just complete yeah. lack of clarity of status with this organization. And it, the question marks just keep popping up. And... Maybe he's still getting somewhat of a chance because I guess Lou Lamarillo is still wasn't here for the beginning of this saga. So right. perhaps he wants to give him, you know, as full as a sheet as he can under his guidance, I suppose, for lack of better words. But yeah, it's perplexing. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea why Hosang filed for arbitration unless, you know, I think it was Arthur Staple in the Athletic. He was speculating that maybe he's just trying to force his way out of a. Out of the organization. I mean, that's possibly it too. Um, yeah. It's certainly, it's certainly. I mean, maybe that's what he was thinking. You know, mm. I, I, to, for to answer Daniel, Daniel, to answer your question, I think the best person that would 
answer that. <laughs> what is Josh Hosein thinking of filing for arbitration? Josh Hosein is the only one. Josh Hosein and his agent are the only people that can really Maybe answer that. Josh will write a song about it one day because he has dipped his toes into the musical <laughs> realm. Listen, I, like that? I said, I like I like the other things that he brings to the game of hockey that ne- you don't necessarily get traditionally yeah. with hockey players. And I sure. think that's something that, you know, I've I've talked about it a lot with other people privately. It's the one thing I think that hockey really lacks is that personality and that, um, you know, kind of pizzazz that you see with some of these other sports where the players, and I know it, it, it drive, I'm sure it drives hockey fans, like very hardcore traditional hockey fans crazy, but like sometimes it's good that the players kind of transcend the game because then, at least from a money standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, and from a growth of the game standpoint, those guys become bigger and they become more recognizable to not just regular hockey fans, but casual hockey fans, casual sports fans, right. and the everyday person that, you know, never has watched a basketball game, but they certainly know who LeBron James is. You know, they certainly know who, you know, some of these star players in these other leagues are, not because they've seen them play, but because they kind of transcend the sport and they have these personalities that go on beyond beyond just the field, or the in this case, the ice. So yeah. I think that Josh Ho saying it's unfortunate that that, because he has that personality, he has that ability to kind of be that person and be that athlete. Mm-hmm. It just never panned out for a lot of different reasons with the Islanders and the, and the NHL. So. A lot of di- reasons that we will probably never yeah. know. Yeah, it's it, it's a fascinating case study of, of hockey culture um, and, and just Josh Hosang as, as a player and a person. But wish, certainly, wish him nothing but luck. Certainly, yeah. Certainly yeah. Wish yeah. I mean, him, please, wish him luck. please. Come to camp and crack the lineup. <laughs> get it. Get another offensive weapon out there. Sure. And on, I just yeah, don't see it on the ice. He, he I mean, he's a fan, he has such raw talent, right. which makes it even more flabbergasting that he just never was able to kind of put yeah. it all together. I don't know. I don't know. So, so Daniel, uh, <laughs> hopefully we answered some facts. <laughs> yeah, too long. That. Didn't read. We have no effing clue. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the question. Thank Absolutely. you so much for writing in. Yes, and with that, we're going to take one more short break. We're going to pick it up with some more questions. We're going to be focusing a little bit more on the NHL squad. So thanks for sticking with us. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Hockey Night New York Islanders Mailbag. <laughs> what is that voice? <laughs> hey, man, I'm just going along with the tune, pal. You know, laid back, hanging out, Sunday night, little mailbag, buddy. Get involved. All right, anyway. <laughs> Lighten up, pal. The show goes on. Let's field some more questions here. Yikes. And once again, thank you for sending in your questions. This next one comes from Christopher Clark at Clark0614. And his question reads, after Martin resigns and Sezikis will be a UFA next summer, 
due to how the coronavirus has affected the salary cap, is next summer the time to start building a cheaper fourth line? Our fourth line is pretty expensive and makes it difficult to improve other areas. And Chris, I think that's a great question because truth be told, I think that this is going to be the final year we see of the best fourth line in hockey. I think Martin comes back, he signs, and that's going to be all she wrote. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, you're seeing the downside of the deals that Cases Zekas were inked to, the downside that the deal was that um, Cal Clutterbuck was inked to, and and there's a solid point. I think that there's certainly a case to be made for them moving some pieces. I mean, even Arthur kind of alluded to, you know, Casey's contract could be one that they have to look at now and potentially move just because that they need the cap space. You know, we could be talking about is, is the best fourth line in hockey worth keeping together going forward this year when you know you have so many important pieces to re-sign this year, next year, um, and, and down the line. So it's certainly it's a, it's a good question. It's a fair question because I think that now in 2020, heading into 2020, 2021, that's a realistic possibility, not even just next year, but I think it's a real, somewhat of a possibility now as the Islanders trying to navigate what they can do to free up cap space because right now we're, we're everyone's sitting pretty and st- sitting still because no one wants to make that first move. The, and let's face it, Johnny Boychuk's contract, um, you know, Andrew Ladd, you know, mm-hmm. Nick Letty, we've talked about these guys at, at nauseum here, but those contracts are tough to move. When you look at a guy like a Casey Zizekas, that's more maybe a team, you know, in Ottawa, a New Jersey, you know, these teams at Detroit, um, these teams that have the cap space mm-hmm. that would be more likely to make that move because they know they're getting more than just a, a piece, right? Like you, you trade for Johnny Boychuk, you'll get, you know, maybe 40, 50 games out of him before there is some sort of injury issue. Yeah. Uh, especially the type of the style of hockey he plays. Mm-hmm. With Casey Zekas, you know you're getting a guy who's still very much in the prime of his career. Oh, yeah. And is going to contribute now, is going to contribute a couple of years from now, um, even even as that deal goes on. So it certainly makes more sense, and it's certainly worth exploring, especially in the current circumstance that – you know, it's maybe it's time that we, we, you know, kind of everyone kind of moves on from that that best fourth line of hockey. I mean, they they did their job; they served the Islanders yeah. well. But tons of you fun know, to watch. You have some pieces in place that could kind of—I don't even want to say replace it, but could replicate some of what they do. And you may not necessarily lose that that beat. Right. Well, look, this is this is the the salary cap world we live in, and especially yeah. now the COVID salary cap, <laughs> and it just kind of probably rushes these decisions along. I mean, you might have been seeing this is the end, the last year, the this fourth line as constructed after the season anyway. Right. Now but, it kind of moves it up quicker. Yeah, and look, I I think ideally, I mean, look, it, it, it seems pretty apparent that Martin is going to be re-signed, right? Mm-hmm. So ideally, you're probably saying to yourself, one year at near minimum salary. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets two years because we, we've seen how much Lou and Barry love their locker room guys, their glue guys. And maybe Martin's a guy that gets two years at, you know, I can't see too, too high above one million right. a year. And look, if his game falls off a clip or, or it's not working out or whatever, that's a variable contract if you have to send him down to Bridgeport. I'm not saying that's something they should do. I'm not something, saying that's something they will do. It's just anybody who's concerned about that $1 million that Matt Martin could take up right. on the roster, you can shift it around, and it's, a, and it's minimal anyway. But when you start looking at Sezikis' contract and you start looking at Clutterbuck's money that he's got, that's really where the issue comes in. Right. I just don't see Sezikis being re-signed next summer because he's pri- he's priced himself off the team. 
Yeah. They're not going to be able to keep these RFAs that they need to keep now and next year and find a way to fit him in. I mean, J.G. Pajot sowed that fate. The, yeah. the contract that Pajot yeah. signed, he's going to be the third-line center. Because, look, an argument could have always been made about, yeah, we call we call the Sezikis line the fourth line, but they've kind of also been a third line right. with the ice time that they've got. And the way the situations they were used in and, and the way Sezikis especially was used in, it kind of, it kind of you know, made some sense for the contract that he signed. Right. So with that being said, I think the writing's on the wall. I think he walks next summer. And he's my favorite player on the team right now. I mean, Pajot's making a pretty good case in a very <laughs> short span of time. But no, I've, I've always been a Sezikis fan. Uh, I've always loved the game that he plays. He just plays his ass off every night. You know, the big hits, the big face-offs, big defensive play on the penalty kill. If there's a way to, to keep him around at an affordable salary, I'd love to see it. But he's going to have so many people knocking on the door next summer. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get a bigger role on one of those teams. You know, again, as traditional lines go. Right. right? If we're talking one through four, right? So I, I say, Chris, enjoy it because I think this is it. And what is Cal Clutterbuck has, what, one more year on his contract after this season? I believe. Let me try to run that up real quick. On a little cap friendly, but but it's certainly to your point though. It makes the most sense as you look at you look at how expensive that fourth line is at this point. Yeah, I mean, Clutterbuck's making three and a half. Yeah. Casey's making just under three and a half. I mean, you're looking at an eight million dollar fourth line, right? If Martin resigns, something they've had already, but we're seeing now how that's a problem. And so, Chris, I think you got it on the money. I think we're going to see a more traditional young or at least cheap fourth line where you're where you're looking at guys, maybe some journeymen maybe some just younger guys that are looking to crack a squad that get significantly less ice time than these guys have gotten, and you're just going to see more of a one through three lines getting run through this this squad because it's just the money's not going to be there. If they want to keep whatever offense they have, which is all, already questionable, right. they're going to have to make sacrifice, and I think that's going to be it. And we know how much Barry loves running his four lines and how much he loves running this this line out there, just like Capuano did, yep. like Doug Waite did. Yep. But I think that era is coming to a close. I think this is it, Chris. Yeah, I, I would agree with Sean here. It certainly seems like that writing was kind of on the wall to begin with, and now that we're in COVID and now the, there's a hard cap for you know, the foreseeable future, I think that's been expedited uh, you know, tenfold at this point. Right. Right. The, like I said, to the point where if I'm Lou Lamorello, I'm looking at some of those contracts, especially on the fourth line going, if we get to a point where we have to shed some salary to get room to re-sign Barzal, to re-sign Pulak, to get the pieces that we want and need, I mean, unfortunately, one of those guys, they're, you know, they're going to be looked at. Those contracts are going to be looked at, and they certainly have more value than, than some of the other ones that are on the roster at the moment. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, maybe Cal Clutterbuck survives that because he just has an additional year left on his on his contract at three and a half. Maybe he ends up on the third line with Pajot. Right. Maybe he ends up flanking him on the right side next, uh, not this coming year, but the following year. I mean, who knows? I mean, a lot of things can happen between now and then, but yeah, I think this is going to be it for that line. It was a great era, but you know, like all good things has to come to an end. They come to an end. So Chris, once again, thank you for the question and we'll move on to the next one from Stu. You want to go with this one, buddy? Uh, I was just checking it out real quick. Given the financial uncertainty, Currently surrounding the league, do you think the RFAs have interest in signing for more than a year or two? Should Lou push for long-term contracts at a redacted, uh, reduced rate, I should say, not redacted, a reduced rate, <laughs> since everyone's up against the cap? That's uh, Stu. Uh, thank you for the question, Stu. You can f- see him on Twitter at Isles Holic. 
Yes. All right. Just want to make sure I was reading that correctly. Islehaulic. Islehaulic. Yes. So, Stu, thanks for the question. Appreciate it. I think it is in everybody's best interest to go for a short-term deal. Yeah. I don't think there's any GM at the moment that real. And you're looking, I think you, even outside of the RFAs, you look at the UFAs that are signing right now. They're signing short-term deals for a lot of money. There's, you know, they're, you know, Taylor Hall is the perfect contra- perfect example of that. He mm-hmm. signs in Buffalo for, what was it, $8, 9000000 million, something like that? Yes. So... He's, he, you know, it's it's basically, I know I'm going to get to next year. I'm going to make the money that I wanted to for the one year, and then we'll re-explore and see where everything is. And I think that's the way everyone else is, is doing doing business because even even the Buffalo Sabres, they just re-signed uh, Linus Olmark, who was about to go to arbitration for them. Mm-hmm. He signed a one-year deal. There you go. There's, you're seeing this is the case. This is the circumstances for a lot of these guys, especially RFAs. And I think Matt Barzell is just the type of guy who's going to bet on himself. I oh think, yeah, I think he—he's not shy, <laughs> right? So I think he's looking at the cap situation. He knows that, regardless of what he thinks he's worth, that he's only going to get offered so much money because of the constraints that the Islanders have. So I think, like Taylor Hall and like some of the other players out there, he's going to say, "You know what? Let's do a one or two year deal. Right. I'll get a decent chunk of change now. Bet on myself. Hopefully, that cap situation changes a little bit, and I can cash in a little bit more." You know, maybe in a year or two. Yeah, I think that's the smartest thing the players can do right now because there isn't. There's a lot of uncertainty, not just for the cap situation this year or next year, but you know, we're talking two, three years down the line. There's no real firm date of when the NHL is going to start making revenue again, right? Because that's the whole reason yeah. we're in the cap situation. The, right. the, the hard cap that they're in, the cap isn't going up until the league starts making revenue. When that is, is dependent on things that go way beyond the National Hockey League, and way beyond sports. You're talking now politics. You're talking economics for these local regions in, in North America, in the United States, and Canada, um, things that go well beyond the the grasp of, of sports. So that is why, you know, you kind of just hedge your bets and say, all right, we'll take this year by year, we'll take this, you know, day by day and kind of just figure it out as we go along. That's what these players are really doing because they know if they can kind of waited out, I guess, so to speak, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel at some point. There has mm-hmm. to be, right? Um, and then they those contracts that they were expecting to, you know, to sign this year, you know, maybe those come next year. Maybe those come two years from now once things start to get a little bit more stable and things get back to normal in whatever sense that is. Financially for the league, um, normal, you know, just what, you know, what you would expect from the National Hockey League as far as fans and everything like right. that. So, I think that's kind of where everyone's head is at. Even the agents now, yeah, I think they realize that. Nobody knows what the hell's going to happen yeah. tomorrow. I think that's, if yeah. I'm an agent, that's what I'm telling my, my client. I'm not saying, right. you know, let's wait it out for a 10-year, you know, $100 million deal. It's just not happening right now. If either one of these guys is going to be one to sign long-term, I would say it would be Pollock. You know, maybe he settles for something around five, six mil, right. probably six mil, and maybe you see a 40, four to six-year deal. That maybe is a little more realistic to me, but I if I'm if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, I'm going to say Barzell goes for short term, uh, maybe both, but uh, probably both, but maybe Pollock goes long term. Yeah, and just to answer the, the the general gist of the question from Stu, I think a lot of the RFAs have more of an appetite for those short term deals. Pulak, maybe you know, using Sean's example here, he might be the exception to the rule, and if you're Lou, maybe you try and. and do that, mm. but I think if you're an RFA, kind of what I was saying before, the, or an agent for or a restricted free agent, you're telling them 
do a one-year, two-year deal. Let's get that bridge contract, and then let's get to a point where everything's stable and we can cash in and we can get the money that we know you're going to deserve at the end of that two-year deal. There you go. So, still, once again, thank you for the question. And we will now move on to our final question from none other than local Islander celebrity Patrick Dowd, the sign guy. Yeah, that was exciting to get. Chimed in with a question. So, we thank you, Patrick, for for jumping in here. So, he says... Just how excited knowing what Scott Malkin and John Ledecky have accomplished in a few short years, turning this franchise around, securing a new home, bringing in Lou and Barry, not to mention Mitch Korn and Piero Greco. So more of a statement, but something to discuss for sure. I think the general gist of the question is where is the excitement level? And I think if you're an Islander fan, you know, it's got to be off the charts because aside from the stabilized ownership group that the Islanders now have for the first time really in, God, I, I think my lifetime really, uh, and probably your lifetime too, Sean. Thinking, just thinking back to it, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's an exciting prospect for for Islander fans, for an Islander organization, and and the region itself. I mean, obviously, I I think the biggest sign of that is the arena that's being constructed and going up at Belmont Park. You know, they got you, that brick facade outside now. It's it, really starting to look like an arena. Now. Yes, it, yeah. you know, it's amazing to see the, the progress on the arena. It's amazing to see how far it's come, especially considering everything else that's gone on is going on in the world. And that has to be the ultimate sign of just where the Islanders ownership group is, because they have managed to not only navigate one of the murkiest, most explosive, most, you know, <laughs> the worst, you know, political minefield in local government, which was finding the New York Islanders a home. Right. They've managed right. to do it in in conditions that go well beyond the scope of anything we'd ever we've ever yeah, seen before. It's just ridiculous. So <laughs> I think that is the, the the shining example. And then you look at the success of the franchise, the willingness to spend money, the willingness to bring in people that um, you know, are high class individuals as far as coaches, as far as people, as far as you know, bringing what they bring to the organization. So that all and all combined together really shows just the change in the dynamics of the organization as a whole. And so I think the excitement level is probably beyond the, what you could ever envision for an Islander fan at this point, because I, I think there are a lot of Islander fans who just. Don't either don't remember what it's like to have this kind of yeah. stability or have never experienced in their entire fandom. Yeah, and I've said it before on this show, fans can finally just focus on the hockey. Yes. And the only thing you'll have to complain about when things aren't going your way are the perform is the performance on the ice. Yes. You don't have to worry about all the other BS. Now it's just get getting the right players, getting them to play well, and winning some Stanley Cups. That sounds good to me. And you look at you look at the promises that that Scott Malkin and, and John Ledecky made that that first introductory press conference that they had at Nassau Coliseum in the bowels of the old Nassau Coliseum before it was renovated. Bowels, indeed. And that was you know they they had all these plans obviously to you know find a stable home for the organization you know right. bring in the people that they needed to bring in they've accomplished basically everything they've set out to except for that last thing and that's the fifth ring. And this year, through all the craziness, they the organization, the team came within four wins, five wins of, of go, you know winning a Stanley Cup. Six, six wins. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you know, math's not your thing. You said that already, yeah. so it's, it's very okay. well known. Math's never been my thing, but you know, they come within six wins of yeah, a Stanley Cup. So not bad. That's not bad for an ownership group that has had full control of the organization since really only since 2016, I believe. Right yeah. after that first year in Brooklyn. Yeah. So. I mean, that's that's a real credence and a real credit to John Ledecky and Scott Malkin 
um, for their stewardship and their uh, guidance of this organization. No doubt. It's it's great stuff. Stay excited. Stay happy. We'll see what comes with next season but and, and this offseason. But overall, a lot of good things going on with the New York Islanders. And with that, I think we can wrap. And before, just before we do... We have a very special guest coming up next oh, week yes. that we're excited we're about. We're very excited about yeah. this guest. We think you will also be very excited we do. about this guest. So we do. We booked it. It's confirmed. It's going to happen. Yes. We will obviously announce it on our usual Wednesday date. Yes. Around noon, I think, is when we usually yeah, make, that, yeah. make that announcement. Yeah. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for this. We're, we're super excited. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, this is this is probably the most exciting interview we've we've ever done on this program. Yeah. So. Yeah. No no, uh, no slight to anybody we've had, yeah. but this is a big one. And then I know, you know, people go, oh, you know, they're being, they're, it's hyperbole. They're, they're hyping it hand, up. They're hyping it up. <laughs> this is not hype. It's going to be is, Tony. Yeah. He's <laughs> next week. It's actually just Tony. No, it's someone that everyone is, you know, he's beloved within the, within the hockey community, within the sports community. So definitely keep an eye out for when we make that announcement on Wednesday. Absolutely. And with that, folks, want to send a very big thanks out to our pal, Tony Stabile, for joining us tonight. We want to thank our awesome sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for fantastic food, great service, and great Islander fans. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com and fill your bellies with some delicious food. I want to thank Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TieTechnology.com, T-I-E Technology.com for all your telecom needs. Or give them a call at 516-856-7800. They have a huge emphasis on customer service and do an absolutely fantastic job. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank you guys for the questions, for joining in on the mailbag. It was a lot of fun. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends, spread the word. Follow Christian on Twitter at C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. And follow us across social media at Hockey Night NY. We will see you next week.